Hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williams, and this is the Locked On NFL Podcast. It has come to my attention that this podcast is growing at a very rapid rate the last couple weeks, especially due to the guests we have on. I'll tell you more about them. we got Sage Rosenfels yet again today. Can't wait to do that. So I need to tell you a little bit more about what you're getting from the Locked On NFL Podcast. As I come to you every day, uh, very thorough but quick-hitting in terms of what's going on around the league, We've got a great expert cast that joins us throughout the week as well. I was a scout for the Browns. I was director of football ops at the University of Akron. I was a recruiting assistant at Pitt for three years, helped bring in guys like Joe Flacco, Darrell Rivas, Larry Fitzgerald. And I was at ESPN as, a, as an analyst for 10 years, and I've been doing this show ever since. So I urge you to check out the rest of the network. I mentioned that we have a lineup set in stone now. As every Monday like yesterday... I bring in three of the Locked On uh, different podcast hosts to discuss their teams, the most topical teams going. Today is Sage, as I mentioned. Tomorrow's Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus. Thursday is my man Mike Sando. And we might still get a guest for Friday, but for now I'm just doing Twitter questions and I'll be picking games when that time comes too. So, Sage, it is awesome for you to join us. What is shaking? Not much. Uh, I am uh, currently driving from Minneapolis to Omaha, but I'm passing through Ames, Iowa, my alma mater, Iowa State. I am calling the Iowa State versus South Dakota State game on Saturday. So I get a chance to pick up a little inside information, maybe chat with the coaches a little bit, watch practice. And, uh, you know, football season is here. I could tell last night, especially Minnesota in, in August. Uh, it was a little bit cooler last night. You could sort of smell and feel fall was coming. <laughs> yeah, right. Absolutely. Very cool. I'm curious how that goes. We'll talk about that next week. Another Midwest quarterback I want to bring up, though, is is Andrew Luck. And we've all been kind of on pins and needles. When's he coming back? We've been watching. Do you think he's back? How much have you watched of him in the preseason? But more importantly, what do you want to see from him to say... Andrew is back being Andrew. Well, I'll tell you what, he was so good his first couple of years in the league. I remember that playoff game versus the Chiefs. I don't know what year it was, probably about 2014, 15. Uh, he was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, sort of, he was one of those guys you could sort of, as a, you know, as a quarterback, you could sort of put the game on his shoulders. You know, there's not a lot of guys who can really do that. Aaron Rodgers is one of those guys, Russell Wilson. Uh, and, and Andrew Luck was that early in his career. Uh, this injury uh, is really interesting to me. As I watch him throw, and I was watching just some, I think it was some mic'd up stuff, probably for NFL Network or something, and they were they'd mic'd him all practice, and he was talking to guys and throwing drills and stuff. His throwing motion does look different uh, to me than it looked before. It's a little more compact. It's a little bit more a little sort of circular, I guess, from a – you know, from a try to study quarterback standpoint, how guys throw. Um, so I'm interested to see, you know, if he can still make all those throws that he was making early in his career. You know, he does have a really strong arm. He's just a really big, strong guy in general. He just has this big, strong athletic uh, body. So, you know, can he still make all those throws? Does he have all the zip uh, that he had early in his career? Because, you know, you don't always have to make those really tight windowed you know, put everything into it, throws a lot in training camp in the preseason. When the regular season starts, when you really got to, you know, fit a ball into a window, you got to put everything you have on it. My, my question is, you know, does he have all of that? And, and number two is, can he stay healthy? Can he stay healthy? Can Will that shoulder hold up? 
Uh, can he just stay healthy in general? He's always sort of played a, you know, as a quarterback, sort of a physical, you know, way uh, way of playing the position. You know, he, he takes hits, he stays in the pocket, he'll hold on to the football, he'll try to run a little bit. Uh, he's not one of those guys who's trying to constantly just sort of hot potato and get rid of it. So, you know, will he change his style, play a little bit, not holding the ball so much and, and not wait for those guys deep down the field uh, to throw it deep all the time, which, again, is what he did a lot early in his career. So I'm just sort of interested to see if there's sort of a, a, a progression or a change in just basic quarterbacking philosophy or, or the way he plays uh, from early in his career to now pose this shoulder surgery, being out for over a year of football and see what, what he goes from here on out. Yeah, well said. And um, I haven't watched all of his preseason throws yet, but the first game back I watched, and he mostly worked the middle of the field. They weren't, quote, arm strength throws. He was throwing from a solid platform, so he didn't have guys hanging off him and you know being able to unset, uh, you know, with unset feet or a bad base. So you didn't see him have to arm strength muscle throws so far. But he didn't look bad throwing the ball either. And I wonder, I kind of equate him a little bit to Ben Roethlisberger too, that I would think at this stage of his career and after coming off this injury, we see more brains than brawn. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And, you know, taking a sort of a year off of football, uh, and for him, I'm not sure how, has it been a year and a half or just a full year, whatever it's been. Right. But that time, you, you as he's rehabbing you get a lot more sort of time to yourself, almost in isolation a little bit. You know, you're watching practice from the sideline. Uh, you're just sort of an, an, more of an observer. It really can change your perspective. And, and I think a lot of times in a way of, you know, almost maturity, not like, you know, life skills maturity, but like maturity as a quarterback, maturity mm-hmm. of understanding the game better, understanding the flow of the game, really those those relationships with your players. You know, my bet is, you know, mentally he's coming at this thing from a different angle, uh, you know, at the quarterback position, at his responsibility to the football team than he was, you know, three or four years ago. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, we are brought to you today by MyBookie, and I've told you about them before. It's the only place that I, that I place my bets. And if you listened last year, quite a few of you made some money listening to our Friday shows and you, going with my picks. So you got to go to MyBookie, and, you know, people have been asking me for advice on the show and for the most part, I've been pretty helpful with it in, in terms of making you guys some bucks. But what I, in the end, I really don't know who's going to win. But if you think you know, you've got to go check out my bookie. When you're betting, where you're betting is just as important on who you're betting on. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are by far the best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online. Their mobile site is really easy to use. So lay down some cash and win big today. I would only recommend a service to my listeners. It's been good to me, and they absolutely have been. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, which is one of my favorite things to do. You can kind of get the flow for the game, a feel for the game, and then you know put down some money at the first quarter. It's great. The mo- they have the most rewarding player perks in the business, and you fantasy guys out there, they have a new feature now. You can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Very cool. So join now, and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar, which is free money, folks. So use our promo code LOCKEDON, all one word. Visit MyBookie today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, Sage. Um, 
two quarterbacks I want to ask you about that potentially could be changing teams soon in the offseason. And that is Lux backup, Jacoby Brissett, and Teddy Bridgewater. There's a lot of buzz around Bridgewater. There was a rumor that Seattle had kicked the tires asking about Brissett. What do you think of these two as potential starters or their place in the league? Oh, I think both guys are starters. It really is amazing, by the way, uh, how many quarterbacks have come from being Tom Brady's backup uh, to becoming NFL starters. Even if it's just for a season or a half a season, you know, Brian Hoyer, Matt Castle, uh, Brissett, Jimmy Garoppolo, um, you know, they, they seem to do a really good job of either, you know, picking these guys in drafts uh, to try to get some value for them in a trade. You know, that seems to be more of a, uh, over the last eight or 10 years, that seems to be a thing that, you know, Belichick has decided we're going to draft guys, you know, sort of to trade them uh, to get extra value for them because they feel like they can, one, develop quarterbacks, but two, pick the right ones to develop. So from what I have seen of Jacoby Brissett, and this is going back to New England, and from what I saw last year, which he played the majority of the season, He's an NFL starter. You know, I'm not going to put him as a top 20 NFL starter, but I think he's one of the top 32. Uh, he's a good player. He's accurate. He's smart. Uh, he he uh, seems like he can stay healthy for the most part. Uh, he, he runs the offense well. He did a really nice job in, in Indy last year. You know, Indy is one of those teams where I, if, if you can function uh, as a quarterback in that offense on that football team, I always sort of give you the benefit of the doubt because that team, talent-wise, uh, is Ooh. well below a lot of other NFL teams. There was a stat, I think, in, in 2013, that draft, which is only five years ago, nobody from that draft is on the team. There might be only a guy or two from the 2014 uh, draft left on the football team. I mean, they really missed on a lot of spots, and you just can't do that because then you know, guys like Jacoby Percetta, you're playing with less talent around you. So he did a really nice job. I do think he's an NFL starter. My guess is he'll stay there. For this year, you know, I think the Colts want to see if Andrew Luck is, can be a guy who can be healthy for all 16 games, you know, plus possible playoffs. Uh, if he can't be, they may have to move on from him and go with J- Jacoby Brissett. You know, if he tears his shoulder again, that might be it. And they'd be, you know, kicking themselves for, you know, giving up Jacoby Brissett just to get a second round or third round draft pick to somebody else. And so I think he's going to stay there for this year. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater. You know, get realized they loved him in Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, he was he could have ran for governor. You know, <laughs> after at that after that playoff loss when they lost the Seahawks on that last second twenty seven yard field goal. I mean, he sort of owned that city, owned that state. They absolutely loved him. He says and does all the right things. He, you know, he's not a fancy quarterback, but he sort of seems to get his team out of trouble a lot and makes a lot of good plays and and occasionally you know create something when. Uh, you know, the, the, the pocket breaks down. He's an accurate throw. He just sort of does and says all the right things. And then, you know, boom, his knee gets blown out. And he's had this sort of two-year fight back to sort of be in NFL games and, and preseason games again and, and really play and compete. And he's played extremely well. So, yeah, I think he's one of those guys that, you know, if a team's looking for a quarterback, again, maybe this year, maybe not this year. Uh, it's so hard different than like a wide receiver or a defensive end it's really hard to trade a quarterback to come in and start right before you know week one of the season of all the positions the quarterback's the hardest one you know all that offseason stuff the OTAs the quarterback uh, camps and the uh, the the training camp 
so much of that is for the quarterback because there's so much responsibility, you know, put on their place. So you're going to show up in some new team, probably learn a new offense, new, learn a new language, new receivers that we have no timing with, uh, you know, understand protections and what everyone's rules are different from one O-line coach to another O-line coach and how you sort of rig or change protection. So you end up, you know, showing up to a team and having to run like the most basic offense they possibly have just so you can function. And so I don't see either one of those guys, you know, being traded to a team to start right away. That Unless there's some sort of injury, like the Sam Bradford situation a couple of years ago in Minnesota when Teddy went down. So the concern about Teddy long-term is when, you know, let's just say he is with the Jets this year or somewhere else this year. When he goes to a new team, they're going to look at that knee. And from everything that I've read, the knee has a lot of issues. He's playing really well. It's holding up. Uh, you don't see any issues in the way he's moving around. He looks like he's doing a really good job of making guys miss in the pocket and things like that. Uh, but supposedly that knee, when you look at it as a, you know orthopedic surgeon, it's not a pretty sight. So I think that's going to be the concern going forward. The lucky thing is the quarterback, something we don't need our knees, but we're also, you know, we're not Porsches and Lamborghinis here. We're more like Jeeps. You know, Tom <laughs> Brady can probably play with no knees, right, and still play pretty dang good. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think both of these guys are top 32 guys in the league. But are they going to go somewhere else and be one of the 32 starters? My guess is no. Yeah, your, your point about Bridgewater is great in that, yeah, he looks good. We're sitting here watching him from our couch. But that doesn't mean the Dolphins or Bengals or Jaguars team's doctor is going to say, yeah, give up something for him and pay him $15 million a year. I mean, because they look at the knee. I mean, if it's in bad shape, which it was a bad, bad injury, he's a really difficult guy to invest in. I will say this. Uh, of all those teams you just mentioned, the Jacksonville Jaguars, Jacoby Bissett uh, and oh, Bridgewater, I would both rather have those guys than Blake Bortles. And it's not my best going to sit here and hate on Blake Bortles, but you know he just sort of does the bare minimum to me. He doesn't do any extra. And on, on a, that good of a football team, and man, they've got such a good defense. On that good of a team, you like to have a quarterback ticket that can just do a little extra. Uh, than just sort of execute and manage the offense. And I, I think both Brissett and, and, and Teddy Bridgewater can do that extra and, and would be better options for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, I 100% agree. I mean, I don't think the, the Colts would get rid of them in, in division, but I think Brissett not only would be an upgrade now, but has a higher ceiling than Bortles or Bridgewater to me. I mean, if Brissett hits and continues to improve, I think he could be a top 20 type quarterback. He's not now. Doesn't have the experience of either one of those guys, but I thought he did really acclimate himself well in Indy. And after a while, though, I mean, the, it, it took its toll. The supporting cast, the lack of protection, the end of the year wasn't pretty for Brissett. But like you said, I mean, that's a brutal situation. Well, and he kept grinding, and he loved yeah. the way the guy just kept going out there and competing. And he was available. I mean, he was getting beat up in a lot of those games. And you know, your best ability is your availability. Uh, and he was out there, you know, working hard and grinding, trying to complete passes and trying to win football games. And so, yeah, I, I said, I, I agree. He's a, at the end of the day, people don't realize he was a third round draft pick. Right. You know, this isn't one of those guys who just sort of like, you know, showed up and ah, he's actually pretty good. He's a seventh rounder just because he never heard about him in college or anything. because he went to a small school. But, you know, he was a third round draft pick uh, by New England. Uh, you know, Bill Parcells gave him a, a huge recommendation. Uh, you know, for Bill Belichick to draft him, and and uh, you know he's been one of those sort of quiet successes that sort of wait in the wings, uh, and someday 
uh, you know, could be a really high-priced quarterback somewhere. So, you know, you, you, as a guy, as a guy that was a you know long time backup in the league, played for a long time in the league, I look at guys like Brissett and I'm like, man, I hope the timing works out for him, right? Because you know, it, it, there's so much with timing with the NFL, with you know when. Uh, does he play at some point, like in the last year of his contract, and then boom, you know, three or four teams really want him, and he's getting you know twenty or twenty-five million dollars a year, or does the timing not go right for him? He doesn't play in the last year of that contract, and maybe he plays a little bit, be- you know, before that or whatever, and and next, you know, he's just sort of like a three million dollar, four million dollar backup somewhere else. So you know, timing will have a lot to do with uh, his future. And Andrew Luck, uh, his ability to stay healthy, will have a lot to do with where Jacoby, you know, plays long-term in the NFL. Yeah, and maybe if somebody like Eli or Rivers retires in the next year or two, he'd be a real nice replacement that wouldn't cost the team an arm and a leg and could develop. Well, and I, yeah, and I think, you know, as teams look for it, you know, the New York Giants is a classic example. You know, every it's like the elephant in a room. Everybody knows at some point here Eli is done. Some people probably think he is done, all right? And other people probably think, well, he probably has like another year or two years left or whatever it might be. At some point, his career is going to be done. They're going to have to look for a, a new starter. Do they try to draft somebody? You know, this was the year of they could have drafted a quarterback. They went with Saquon Barkley. But do they end up drafting a quarterback? Well, now you're starting from scratch with a big unknown. Or you can trade for a guy, like, say, a year from now, like J- Jacoby Brissett or something like that with a second rounder or something, third rounder. And uh, you've got a guy who does have experience, who does, you know, he's already three, four years into his career. And you, you've, you know, you've sort of, you've smoothed out all those rough, somebody else has really smoothed out all those rough edges already. And you can bring in a guy right now, plug and play, uh, and he can probably do a pretty good job right off the bat, not have to go through all those rookies, rookie ups and downs. And so he might be uh, one of those, you know, players that, a team that's looking to sort of rebuild a quarterback. He's a guy that's not going to be a rookie, but definitely is an NFL starter. All right, last thing I got for you, Sage, is kind of a rapid-fire situation here. Tell me, these I got four teams in front of me that have new quarterback situations. Tell me if they're better off or worse for now and big picture. You know, for this year, yes, they're better or worse, and... Big picture, are they better or worse? I'll, I'll give you the easy one first. Denver. Denver is better than they were in the past, but I'm not sure if Case is the long-term solution. Definitely mm-hmm. better than the you know the last two six-foot-six giants that they had that were <laughs> right, successful. Right. And Trevor Simeon has has not had a great training camp in Minnesota, so that sort of shows what his you know, real big talent is, uh, which he's not a super talented guy. So he's sort of limited there. He's very sort of limited in his just natural abilities. So yeah, Case Keenum is definitely an upgrade, but is he a long-term guy? You know, he's basically to me like on a one-year contract and prove it. And we'll see how Case Keenum does. Yeah. Maybe Brissett ends up there. Do you think Chad Kelly has a chance in Denver? I do. And, and you know, I, as again, I, I, as a guy that was a backup quarterback for a long time, I love it when, a third string guy or a backup guy goes in and just tears it up in the preseason. If you love the guy, you'll say, Oh man, he's just tearing it up and he's doing it with backup players. If you don't like the guy, you say, Oh, he's tearing it up, but he's going against the backup <laughs> right, players. Right. It's much easier. So, you know, he's playing with backups, going against backups, and he's looking great. I love the way he has confidence. He's not, 
timid. He's not shy. He's not scared. He sort of has a little uh, uh, Baker Mayfield, you know, sort of feel to him. He's not scared to go out there and compete. I, I like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, has a little bit of his uncle in him, that's for sure. And the backup argument, I just want to throw one thing out there because I don't know if I've ever told our listeners this, but uh, the backup argument's a good one that you brought up. But to me, playing the backup offensive linemen in the, you're seeing in the preseason are far worse than the backup front seven guys you're seeing on defense. Yes, yeah. Playing with the backup line, uh, that can be a challenge because <laughs> a lot of times – uh, you know, the starters in the preseason, there might be one or two they just hold out because they're a little beat up still or something. So now you actually have a couple backups playing with the ones. And then you're the, let's just say you're playing with the twos. Now you're having maybe three guys that are twos and maybe two guys that are actually threes or fours. And so and it's and then it becomes a mix and match. I mean, Ross Tucker, who you know, does never, a lot of NFL media stuff now, he and I are rookies together in Washington. He was like a right guard, the entire right guard, left guard, the entire training camp. We go out there, I believe it was like the second preseason game, and they put him at left tackle the entire game just because he was the only guy smart enough to learn left tackle because <laughs> other guys had been injured. So they just throw him in there, and he's like, hey, don't get deeper than five yards on your seven step drop. You know, so I'm taking like the shortest as possible. So yeah, the, the preseason games for the offensive line, probably more than any other position really can be a mess, and, and a lot of times the quarterbacks are, one who, are the ones who take the extra hits. Oh, no doubt. Um, I'm going to skip the Vikings. They're one of my four. We talked about them last week. I think we both agree they're better off long-term, but short-term might be a push from how Keenan played last year. Well, Keenan played so well. And right. he, he was a, he's a creative guy. Like you know, He's sort of a playmaker. He's actually a gunslinger at heart, um, and... But, yeah, he's a guy who, you know, when, when the offensive line breaks down, he did an incredible job of either getting rid of the football or trying to make something out of nothing. Uh, you know, everything sort of bounced the right way last year. Cousins is not that type of guy. More of a true pocket passer. You can definitely see the much stronger arm uh, that Cousins has, in, you, know, in, uh, uh, you know, in the pocket. You know, the play action might be really good. The Vikings are a good running team, it looks like, right now in the preseason. So play action might be a really big thing for them. And I do see Kirk as a better play-action quarterback. Uh, but, uh, you know, my concern is if their offensive line struggles, as oh, yeah. it looks like it sort of has in pass protection so far, they've got a couple of guys out. they got Nick Easton, who is a starting right guard, out for the year. It, would Keenum have been the better option because he's more mobile? I mean, Teddy Bridgewater is a very similar guy. Could run around a little bit, sort of make the offensive line look better than they were. Uh, and you know, Cousins isn't necessarily going to do that. So he has to. When, when things are right, Kirk Cousins is a very, very good quarterback. But when things go awry, my concern is what happens. And you know, does he turn the ball over? Does he take a lot more sacks? Does he can he take the punishment uh, with a bad offensive line through sixteen games? And Alex Smith is a very different quarterback from Cousins. How do you think? What's your grade on the Redskins for now and the future? I've always loved Alex Smith. I love guys that win football games. I love guys that throw for 67%. And I love guys that throw, you know, two to three to one touchdown interception ratio and win 10, 11 games every year. That just sort of seems what he has always, almost always done uh, in his career. Maybe not early on when he was a spread quarterback, learning to be an NFL sort of pocket passer. But he's also such a good athlete. You know, there's times where they do certain things where they still can use his running ability and, you know, near the goal line, they'll still do one of those zone reads or something like that. But I love guys who have complete control of the game. They're consistent. 
uh, and what they do. You know, and when Jay Gruden calls plays this year, he'll have a pretty good feel of how they're going to turn out. They'll be executed. So I, I, I don't look this as a you know as a downgrade anyway from Kirk Cousins no. who who left to, to Alex Smith. There are different styles of football. It doesn't have the big arm. They're probably not going to be a team that's constantly trying to vertically threat the defense down the field. But as far as a team that can hold on to the football, execute, my guess is Alex Smith actually makes the Washington defense better because the offense will be on the field methodically working the way down the field. Yeah, good point. And, and of all these guys we just mentioned, Smith had the best year of any of them in 2017, which brings me to the Chiefs. Um, I think we all agree, long term, you want Mahomes over Smith. Even, But I can't believe, and as excited as I am about Mahomes, there's no way he plays as well as Smith did last year. Yeah, so Mahomes to me is sort of like, a, you know, a Vince Carter, right? Like, was Vince Carter, you know, one of the all-time great basketball players in NBA history? No. But was he the absolute highlight reel? You know, Dominique Wilkins, those types of guys? Yes. I mean, just, just incredible, uh, you know, by some of the things that he can just naturally do. But that doesn't necessarily mean, uh, you know, uh, Vince Carter was great at always winning NBA basketball games, right? right. So the question is, does all that, does that huge arm, that 69-yard throw, that type of talent regularly win football games? No, it doesn't. I mean, you really don't have to. Drew Brees never throws the ball, you know, past 50 yards anymore. He still wins a lot of football games. And so the good thing is of all 32 NFL head coaches who are in charge of uh, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid probably is the best one. I mean, yep, this guy has coached Brett Favre, who you could probably compare those two in a similar way. Huge arm. Huge talent, you know, who knows what's going to happen or where he's going to throw the ball. You know, can he sort of hone that in a little bit, but also let that talent flourish at different times and let things go a little bit and have a little a little bit longer leash so Mahomes can use that creativity, uh, but then also hone it in at times. So, man, he's just good to hit the tight end on the stuff over the middle and the security blanket stuff, and he can play smart and have that happy mix. And so he's going to be a really fun guy to watch and break down over the next few years. Uh, you see why the Chiefs moved on from him because, again, that, that sort of ceiling is, is higher than Alex Smith. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you're not a good decision maker, not an accurate passer, I don't care how strong your arm is, uh, you're not going to be a good NFL quarterback. No doubt about it. Sage, you're the man. Safe travels. Enjoy the game on Saturday. And let's do it again next week. Sounds great. Let's talk next Tuesday. All righty.